welcome to the last Wednesday of the week, the multi-tool of sports podcasts, where we bring you our highlights of the week in sport. Every now and then we get stuck into some meaty middles and we take a look, see what's coming and what's happening and what we're excited about in the week ahead of sport. On this week's show, it's been a hot minute since the three of us have been together and just chatted about, you know, all of the sports. So that's probably what we're going to do on this show. So no real meaty middle, no real structure, just a tick list of sports to get through, things that have been happening this week and things we're excited about coming up. So join me, Dan, with Simon and Ben on this, the last Wednesday of the week. Good evening, gents. I'm back. You can stop panicking. Order is restored. The threesome is back in action. Wait, that did not come out right. We're back no, it together. Came out right. We're all we in are. the same bed. We're we all are. We together. are a threesome. That's. I think that's accurate. I don't think that's bad. I think it has bad connotations, but I think there's accuracy there. Take mm. it with the uh, naivety and the innocence it's intended. We're back as a trio. How did you get on last week without me? Better. Mm. Mm, yeah, I, as I mean, the o- overwhelmingly better. In fact, so I'm... what I haven't told you both is I've actually been canvassing our listeners, and I've got some. Uh, no, I haven't. I've got no one. <laughs> oh, okay, good. So I thought you were going to just uh, drop the bombs that nobody listened to the show <laughs> at all. They boycotted it for you. You were actually there award. was a hashtag boycott Wednesday pod. <laughs> boycott Wednesday pod. Uh, even though you were at an award show, which was definitely not rigged, and you won an award, right? I did win an award. I did. It was the best Dan. podcaster of the year award. It was the um, best podcast host of the last Wednesday of the week uh, award. Although there are podcast awards coming up, you said... Currently, uh, the British our... Podcast Award. If you want yeah. to find us, if you want to promote us, if you listen to this show and you think, do you know what? These lads, <laughs> they, you know, these three white men deserve they a bit know. of look. <laughs> they know what they're talking about. Um, you know, Diversity. Just, just, yeah, if you're enjoying uh, listening to this show and you think, do you know what? Why not? I'll, I'll put their name into a form on, on the internet that says, um, you know, the People's Choice Award or the British Podcast Awards. Then you do it. You do it. We'll put a link in the show notes because we like to help you out. You know, we're here for you. So, uh, you know, do, do your thing. Put your name into that little box. Put our name in the box. Oh, help, can we help vote podcast. for ourselves? Or, or of course do you... we can. Oh, so do sure you just can, loads of know. alias email, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, just fill it up. Uh, but anyway, back to last week. How, how are you both? Simon, how are you? Well, um, as the uh, nominated power bottom of our threesome, um, <laughs> I, uh, I, feel, I feel like I should, you know, kind of highlight to everybody. Just, I mean, it's been catty. Off air was very catty. There was a lot of jokes, probably the funniest jokes we've ever done on this podcast. Unfortunately, none of them will ever make air. For various reasons. Well, as you yeah. reliably informed listeners last week, I try and avoid fun. <laughs> that's not quite what i said dan is very sore about <laughs> the four minutes of our, the last podcast he listened to um where i just talked about it's a different structure with two people that doesn't mean it's better <laughs> just saying man it was damning Jeez. all right let's it's move on damning. okay so it's not bitter it's not bitter at all everybody but it's <laughs> it's right. been catty it's there's been a, a definite hint of apathy in all of us as well it's it's going to be an interesting show so I'm yeah we, we we actually we have don't a couple tarnish of... us with your apathy simon <laughs> we... i am very apathetic 
We have a couple of sort of quite difficult topics to talk about. And at the, the, before the show tonight, Dan talked to us about e-safety. So mm. we're going to be on our best behavior tonight because we've got some incredible topics. Well, Dan. do you know what? It's actually linked very tightly to a topic that comes up later on. Um, and I'll make that link for you later on. But we are going to get stuck into many things on the show. It's not so much a traditional Wednesday pod uh, organized show. We're just going to fire away a load of random different sports that we're really enjoying over the last week and the week ahead and see where we get to. So we've got football coming up. Uh, sorry, English uh, Premier League football. Ooh. We've got American football. We've got American soccer. We've got um, cycling. We've got motorsport. We've got tennis. And of course, um, baseball and, uh, and TV. There's a TV pop culture <laughs> reference in there as well. So a bit wow. of everything for everybody. Um, Sai, we're going to start with you. You're going to talk to us about the Premier League transfers. Uh, well, I think that's a Ben and myself, but I think yeah. because Ben traditionally, traditionally has about 14 things on his highlights of the week, it's probably better to throw it to the guy that has two. Um, so, I mean, Ben, where do, where, do we, where do we go from here? We talked about a lot on last week's Exceedingly Fun show. Um you know, I'm not saying more fun. I'm just saying it was fun. It was fun. It was, it was, it, it was, was, there was fun. a lot of bony yeah. fiery fun. Yeah. I mean, you say, you know, it was, it was a bit of a relief, you know, uh, you know, a lot of other words that way. Dan's looking very <laughs> crestfallen. I know, I'm only joking, Dan. He's actually, oh no, I'm just on Instagram, family. man. He's on Instagram. <laughs> He's I, on listened to this bit. I listened to this bit last week. You did yeah. transfers oh, okay. last week. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, there's more transfers this week, isn't no. there? So let's no. run through a few. Let's run through some of the big ones. I mean, there are some that are still yet to be completed that I will probably highlight because they're very interesting and they're literally on the verge of being done. But some that actually have been done. So uh, one that really jumped out to me, and I think I highlighted it on our little um, group on Messenger, um, Nick Pope, who's joined a Newcastle for a nice, you know, I mean, this is an English goalkeeper. It's ten million pounds. Good, good a, price. A good deal. Good goalkeeper. A steal. You think about that. Ramsdale cost thirty million, and I mean, I know Ramsdale. Uh, you know, slightly astonishingly to most of us, has had an amazing yeah. season with Arsenal. But no one expected that of him, apart from maybe I suppose you could say Mikel Arteta. Uh, he knew what uh, what kind of a keeper he wanted and he and he got a good one but yeah I think Nick Pope England international probably in my opinion should be number one he's an absolutely amazing keeper 10 million pounds to Newcastle the team that has all of the money so uh of any team you were going to bleed uh and you go let him go for 10 million um but who else do we have that jumping out? oh Sven Botman has also joined uh Newcastle um I think it's yeah, in the region of about thirty million. I think. Yeah, they wanted Botman for a while, and and, and just yeah. one on on the the sort of Pope signing. Mm. I hoped when Newcastle got bought out by the the big Saudi Arabian public fund, mm. you know, multi billion dollar giant of a of a bank account. Um, I thought Newcastle were going to spend frivolously and wildly. I thought they were going to go crazy and buy mm. all these stupid players for stupid money. And I'm annoyed they've been doing things right. Because they have. They've been making good <laughs> signings. Guimaraes, Trippier to bolster the squad. They finally got Botman. Nick you Pope's don't become billionaires by making frivolous spending decisions, though, do cool. you? But, but but usually when you buy a, a football team, and we're going to talk about Boelli, the American who's bought Chelsea, about to make mm. some wild transfers mm. himself. Like Usually they do because it's statement transfers. And worryingly, Newcastle have been run quite well now. Yeah, but it's still early, and they have just announced their third team kit 
uh, which will be the colours of Saudi Arabia. <laughs> oh, God. What which is a little bit Saudi on the Arabia? nose. Uh, well, I mean, they play green and white usually, don't they? Okay, right. Oh, uh, colours of what? Of the, oh, the national sort of their I flag. I assume, yeah. I, I didn't Saudi read. Arabian this flag. is terrible reporting. But um, yes, I believe, yeah, the Saudi Arabian flag slash team uh, colours. It's, it's not yeah. sort of sand and oil colour. No, I mean, that would be a little bit um, right, I see. bland, really. I suppose, you know, yeah, it wouldn't be the nicest colour. You'd look a bit like, like a bee um, in that kit. <laughs> A honeybee. Um, anyway, let's move on before we do get... Uh, e-safety, e-safety. E-safety. Um, this is what we're going to say from now on, whatever we think we're getting too close to the precipice. Um, yes, yeah, Sven Botman, uh, really, really good young uh, centre-half. He's only 22, I think. Um, starter at Lille when they won their first title a couple of years back. Um, yeah, really good player. Product of the Ajax Academy. Um, yeah, 30 million is a bit of a snip. He's a really good player. Um, and he kind of, as you said, they're starting by building these foundational blocks at the back, in goal, young, hungry players. I mean, I think, I say young, I mean, Nick Pope surprised me. I want to find he's actually 30 years old. Yeah, uh, which he, he's is quality, astonishing. Though. He looks about 14. <laughs> he does look young. He's quality, I think, came out yeah. of Ipswich. But um, also another name we missed there, Dan Byrne. What a signing he's been again. January. Building from the back. Uh, yeah, Newcastle uh, comfortably top half. Uh, if they can find another attacking player to sort of go along, uh, Sam Maximan and Joel Linton, maybe maybe they can go further. I don't, I don't know if there is one on the radio, radar for them. Mm, I mean, Joel Linton's playing in midfield now. That's how bad a striker yeah. he's been for Newcastle as he plays in midfield. Um, so moving on from Newcastle, because it's not just about Newcastle, Gabriel Jesus, I believe, has just had his medical with Arsenal. He is uh, due, I think it's about £50 million, I think, that is the Eight actual books. fee. Uh, yeah, I only say this because the website I was using is actually an American website. So all of it was in dollars. So I've had to kind of do my exchange rate maths a little bit. So I'm rounding roughly to the You're getting your English Premier League news from an American it's news site. Bleacher Report is what I use. Ooh, use Bleacher Report. Yeah. Good. Go. Good. We can back the Bleacher Report on yeah. this, on this yeah. show. That's the way. I like I like someone doing because they do some good opinion pieces. Um, you know, it's not kind of like Sky where it's a little bit more puff pieces, as it were. Um, but yeah, Gary Jesus he's going to Arsenal for fifty minutes, and I think that is a a. It's not the biggest amount. I mean, he's never been a traditional out and out striker. But Man City, they've got their number one. They've got Haaland, but who's going to play behind him if Jesus goes? That's the curious. Are they getting Rory Delap's son to be their second striker or are they just not going to play with us? <laughs> I like how it's just Rory Delap's son. Uh, yeah. anyone, know, anyone knows him. It's just you, your dad made some yeah. amazing throw-ins from yeah. the halfway line. He was a cracking throwing guy. Teams. Yeah. Um, wonderful player for, for Stoke mm. City. Uh, another player uh, City are looking to get rid of, and I don't know if I'm, I'm sort of uh, jumping on top of you quickly No, here, mate, I like Sterling. this. I like it. Uh, yeah. Sterling is another player that looks to be coming out of the um, the City setup with Chelsea. At this point, Chelsea look like they are, are keen on taking Raheem mm. Sterling. I mean, Raheem, Raheem Sterling is a full England national, was actually exceptional in the Euros. Has been brilliant in the Premier League. Let's mm. you know, not uh, not make Should any sing, uh, song and dance mm. about it, but brilliant, brilliant player. Yeah. Uh, what does City do when they've not got him or Jesus, and maybe Foden falls down to an injury? Who's then coming in? Is there someone else they've got in the wings? Do they just have enough midfielders to be able to push De Bruyne and Gundogan forward? I, I, I'm not sure. 
I think maybe they they play Jack Grealish a bit more as a traditional winger again, yeah, kind of like he was at Villa. Yeah. I think he didn't quite play the same role. I think he was kind of like midfield three a lot of the, in the games I saw for City, rather than an out and out winger like he was for Villa, and still is for England. Um, although Gareth Southgate still likes to take a pop out of him. Um, so yeah, I mean they have options, but they, most of their options are in midfield. Um, like centre midfield rather than on the wing. So it is interesting. I think they might be, as you said, a little bit light, but if they get... I mean, Sterling's not going to go for anything less than a few shekels, oh, um, in which big case, money. Big money. you know, you can bring 60. in that replacement. Yeah, I think at least. I mean, this is a guy who has been, you know, as you said, he's... I don't think he's never... He's never been City's best player since no. they've been the uh, world-dominating team they have not but he's always been in the top two or three, maybe into the last couple of years where he's kind of dropped down, but he's still been a, a potent weapon for them. So, um, yeah, that'd be a very interesting one. And speaking of uh, Man City, while we're on there as well, they've actually signed Calvin Phillips, I believe, or, or it is in the on the verge of being done anyway. What, so another what, what 50 million. Like, what do you make of that? Because we were talking about a huge England international being signed mm. up by City. Yeah. It's got smacks of Rodwell to me. Mm. It's got smacks of career finishing for Calvin. Mm. He's basically there to replace Fernandinho. He is not as good as Rodri. I don't nah. care what anyone says. So he's not going to be starting the games in the Champions League against the big sides. Is Calvin Phillips just there for the future? Is he simply there for backup? What is that signing? I love Calvin Phillips. I think he's a very, very, very good player. I think Villa have been wanting to sign him for the last three or four years. But obviously, when you get a team like Man City knocking at your door, you think about it. But yeah, I mean, this is the problem we have when the very biggest teams have all of the money. Is they snap up all these old these English talent. And they're not necessarily guaranteed first-team football. Like Jack Grealish. I mean, yes, he suffered from a dip in form. His role has changed. But he was rarely first choice ever with Man City. Um I think this could be the same thing because I think, yeah, I agree with you. I think Rodri is a fantastic player. I think he's Exceptional. out and out, you know, top two or three defensive midfielders in the world, probably. Um, and Calvin Phillips, is he going to play more of a forward role, kind of like he does for England, where, um, yeah, you know, he, he doesn't sit quite as much? But um, I, I just don't know. I, I think it does smack a little bit of just buying players who've got good potential and they might become even better. But at the very worst, is a very good player to play 30 or 40 games for you and, you know, uh, is an English talent. So we'll, we'll help you with the uh, with the numbers you need. With yes, the rules, Dan. Dan. So, question for you. So we want our podcast to be as accessible as possible as well. Mm -hmm. So for those listening who perhaps don't follow football as much as you gents um, and they're thinking transfer, what do you transfer windows? Like what, what's all this? What are the, what are the rules around? What are the rules of engagement around transfers? What's the time frame? Because it does seem like football never ends, but that's because there's all different tournaments going on, leagues going on, whereas this is specifically about the teams for the English Premier League. So do they have a time limit? Are they only allowed to spend certain amounts of money? Like, what are the rules of engagement for I'll, a transfer, uh, transfer the transfer season? As you I'll call it. I'll handle this, Ben. If Thank you don't you. know what the transfer window is, please just leave this podcast. I'm joking. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. So, um, what was bought in a few years ago? So basically, yeah, what. 15, 20 years ago, you could just buy players throughout the year. There was no transfer windows. There was nothing like that. Um, and furthermore, going from what, one of your other questions, well, there was no financial fair play or anything like that. So you literally could just spend whatever money you had to hand at any point throughout the year. Um, the uh, FA 
Uh, and I think UEFA as a whole really had the idea of bringing in transfer windows. It's a very odd principle because different countries have different transfer windows at different times. And some of them, I think the French one's a little bit later. I think the Italian one's a little bit later. Uh, so is the Spanish one. We have gone to the, I say we, uh, the uh, English Premier League have gone to a system where we have um, a transfer window that lasts from early June until the start of the season in early August. Uh, you then have a winter transfer window as well where you can buy players. It usually goes from usually about the 1st of January to the end of January, so it's like the 31st or the 28th or something like that. Um, and in that time, you can buy players, but you are slightly hamstrung. Well, we've talked about financial fair play before and whether it's fit for purpose, but it's a way of trying to curtail the spending of these big teams. But if you're a big team, like, say, for example, Man United, who we were mentioning in a moment, you can effectively burn cash, as we talked about a lot last week. And I'm sure you listened to it fervently, Dan. Um, but yeah, that's kind of to answer your questions <laughs> a little bit. Was that a timed yawn, Dan? Or, <laughs> or was that, I mean, it was perfect. Absolutely perfect. It's only another 20 more minutes, Dan. Don't worry. Yeah, and to back up what Sai said is, is they have sort of always changed. There hasn't been this rule in place for 100 years. And the mm. idea is that players aren't constantly constantly getting the head changed by other mm. teams and yeah. being distracted and they can be focused and they can just play out their contract. Um, you know, and, and there's as many other sort of transfer rules. We have a big boss man ruling, which basically means if you're within the last year of your contract, you can, or the last six months rather, you can bugger off for free. So you have seen some sort of free transfers moving around. Sigh. Okay, Dan, uh, Dan, Ben. I some I usually when you when you mispronounce something, I usually leave it. I'm gonna have to call you on this. Did you say the big boss man? The that boss is man. that's the, the wrestler transfer. No, no, not the, <laughs> the wrestler who dressed as as a police officer. Yeah, named after Ray Trailer. Was that uh, because if you do something it. wrong during the transfer window, he comes in dressed as a police officer yeah. and yeah, lays down the law? Basically, and you're going to do yeah. a hard time. That was <laughs> so you, you see the sort of negotiations where clubs say, well, wait a minute, he's only got a year left on, your con- on his contract. We're only going to pay you a little bit because we can get him for free in uh, January. The Bosman ruling was the, is the, sort of, you know, the, the overall correct yeah. name for it. But the big Bosman is the, the way. Mm. Um, I, I think... Uh, the sort of transfers is a merry-go-round at times. It's a it's a fucking farce at times. Mm. It's theatre. I think I swore there. Sorry. Uh, it's kind of theatre wildness at times. Um, but yeah, you know the big clubs sign big players and fans bloody love it. And there's obviously Manchester United, a big one coming in. Sigh. Uh, take Dan through what could be one of the signings of the summer. I think. Uh, which one are we talking about? Are we talking I'm going about with Frankie Frankie oh, De Jong? Yeah. Oh yes, so United are becoming getting ever closer. They've agreed a fee. I think it's roughly in the region of about sixty million uh, pounds. I'm a little bit dubious about this. I don't think he on his own is going to be enough for Man United. Um, I think there's still a lot to be done. But he is a very, very, very good player. He's kind of that inventive kind of you know, centre midfielder, deep line playmaker. I said, very, very good player. But it'd be very interesting to see um, how he fits into the Man United team and if he can turn them around on his own. He didn't have... I mean, he had a decent time at Barcelona, but I just feel Barcelona, it's all flair and it's all, you know, style over substance a little bit. And I think maybe he'd never fit perfectly. And, and uh, you know, but I think he could be a very good player for Man United. But I'm just dubious as to whether he will hit the ground running in the early times. Yeah, I, I'm probably I'm with you though with, with this sort of um, 
unsure. I'm not guaranteed. I'm not. I'm not convinced. There's guarantee mm. in his quality when it comes to the Premier League. I did talk at length about Manchester United last episode. Um, if you've not um, seen it, give it a listen. If you've not heard yeah. it, give it a watch. One of those. Uh, there's been um, some sort of wild goings on at Man United for the last few years, but it's starting to look like they may have a plan. Uh, they've got rid of a bit of dead wood. Um, they've sort of uh, moved some big contracts on. They've got back some few, a few loanees. It looks like Anthony Marshall might be back fully at the mm. squad now. Whether that's good or not, they're just at least they're making firm decisions. Mm. And then it looks like they're making those firm decisions now on transfers as Dan pours another fat glass of red. To get right reason, this. Part, part of the reason I was asking for our listeners about um, you know the parameters of this, the rules of engagement, so to speak, is I can now I now know that I need to budget twenty minutes of transfer news every week between now and August. No, yeah, no, no, yeah, <laughs> because um, it looks like Aston Villa and Liverpool have done their job. So basically, in the next couple of weeks, me and Sam will just get bored. Yeah, um, yeah. and there are some yeah. names we're going to come on to, which will linger and linger mm-hmm. and linger the whole way through the transfer season. I'm interested. Mm-hmm. There's two names I've got on there, and I'm going right. to ask Simon about it in a second. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's, Let's move on, because we've got a lot of sports to get through, though. Unless but, you want to carry on talking about it, that's absolutely fine. Well, there's one going to carry on minute, talking about Dan. it. Uh, See, Dan, this is just Dan, what it's like. Hold your horse. It's every, hey, every, every... We have, like, 15 more all. sports to get through. Yeah, we're going to fly through those sports. Yeah, okay. this I want to say, one. Frankie de Jong, yeah, we're looking at 60 million-plus add-ons, Barca midfielder. He won the League and Cup in, in Holland with Ten Hag. Okay, so, yeah. so the manager has said, listen, I want him... He's miles ahead of players like McTominay and Fred, so I think he will do okay. We spoke about Richard Arnold. That's not the highest bar, is it? No, I know. The bar is so low there, though. We spoke (laughs) about Richard Arnold. It's clear they have to back Ten Hag, and this is one of Ten Hag's first moves. So well done, Manchester United. It looks like they're going to get over the fence. But, Dan, before you go away, we're talking about there's always... In the, the transfer season, this is part of football transfers, there's always one or two names which linger and linger and linger. And the two names for me this season are going to be Rafinha, uh, Rafinha and Richarlison. Okay. Ooh. Now, it looks like Rafinha is very, very close to a Chelsea move. Mm. And Richarlison is very close to a Spurs move. They are massive transfers. They're both in the region of 50 million or there or thereabouts. Maybe more for Rafinha. I don't know. Um, but Sai, do you think they're going to get over the line? Or do you think these are going to be the names that linger on? I'm going to give you one extra little stat before you res- re- respond. Everton chairman Bill Kenwright was saw- seen, was sore, perfect English, uh, <laughs> sore, eating, spooning. Fancy food into his mouth with Daniel Levy the other night um, in Mayfair. So actually on Monday night, and you can imagine the conversation was around a possible uh, Richarlison move to London. Do you think these names will linger, or do you think that de- those deals are just going to go bam, bam, bam? We're going to we're going to be talking about those deals done and dusted by the weekend. I I don't say necessarily by the weekend, but I do think these are deals that will get wrapped up relatively quickly. I think teams are learning from this kind of, you know, dilly-dallying around to the last moment. You want to get these names in before training camp. I think most training camps have started back or on the verge of starting back. So, yeah, I think teams are trying to get these deals done and dusted as quickly as possible. And I wanted to throw, before Dan just cuts off this podcast completely, I just wanted to mention (laughs) a few other names thrown about. We're talking about Chelsea. 
they've been uh, linked with Delict from um, wow. from Juventus, huge, huge. Uh, an amazing player. Um, I don't know if he's has hit the heights we expected of him in in Italy as of nope. yet, but um, you know, a guy with absolutely amazing potential, still very young as well. Um, Osman Dumbele, I believe, is giving a decision on his uh, on his potential future. Um, the 127 million pound player who's basically done oh, jack all nothing since he, yeah nothing since he went to all. Barcelona Just got injured and did nothing and then Cristiano Ronaldo there was an oh, inquiry oh. whether it was for the cameras or not from Chelsea about Cristiano Ronaldo uh, which was quickly shot down by Man United but uh, maybe there's another move in the 37 year old jet before it's all over Dan. The, that cue is to you because you you stuck by Ronaldo through the whole of the fantasy yeah. football season last year, yeah. uh, and Cristiano Ronaldo is big cheese. Let's be honest. So it's, it's always worth talking about him. Thank you, Sai, uh, Daniel, Daniel. I think he let me down though. I didn't win the I didn't win the league. So you know he's he's done. I'm over him. Um, so that bit at the beginning where I said there wasn't going to be a meaty middle turns out we had a meaty starter instead. So yeah. it's, it's like we we went to an all you can eat buffet. And we just smashed straight into the carbs at the beginning. And now we're like, oh, we're at that kind of bloated stage. So we, we're going to pick a mix through the next and just, you know, graze through. Pick a through. mix at, at this bar. At this bar at this, uh, There's bar everything. There's <laughs> everything at the like Wednesday w, pod WH Smith pick and mix. Is that still a thing? Or was it Woolworths? Uh, Woolworths is the best. Sorry, Woolworths. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we should do this. This should be the nostalgia hour as well. Just to <laughs> add in there. Uh, 15 <laughs> minutes of nostalgia talk just to really grind it into Dan's uh, I'll also <laughs> add that for some reason my my dog's sleeping soundly, but randomly starts barking at oh, the way the wind changes direction every now and then. So if she starts barking, that's what's happening. Let's move on. Uh, let's. I mean, sorry, why don't we uh, bring it down a little bit? Um, because this this person's name um comes up a lot and mm. you know it's, it's often said is sometimes you don't want to give airtime to some of these people mm. but wh- why are we hearing about him again so Deshaun watson so we talked to uh, dan in his very very i mean well executed uh start to the show this week it was an absolutely fantastic one if i do say so myself um he uh, what do you did want? say that we were talking about. I mean, if you can lend me a fiver. Um, no, uh, that he, uh, we were going to talk about American football. We're not really, because there's bugger all going on in American football at the moment, but there are still the occasional story dropping. And then Deshaun Watson, the story that just keeps on going and going. So it's come out that he has settled with 20 of the 24 claimants, um, which basically, for those of you who are not au fait with civil settlements, basically he's, paid them a big wadge of cash each uh, to basically retract their um, their uh, court case. But there's still four going, including a couple of new ones that I think we might have discussed briefly a few weeks ago um, with some very horrendous-sounding um, evidence given. Um, furthermore, um, the Houston Texans have also been, which is Deshaun Watson's old team before he got uh, traded to the Browns, have also been sued because it turns out that they were giving NDAs, which means non-disclosure agreements, to uh, some of these poor women involved in this situation, uh, and also letting them have a hotel room on the um, on the dime of the team for these practices. So at least a little amount of complicity seems to be the case. 
uh, and a lot of sweeping under the under the rug, as it were. So um, this story will keep on giving. And uh, just to finish it uh, before Dan shouts at me, um, the NFL themselves, I believe, are um, very, very much leaning towards suspending him for an entire season. So the um, the Cleveland Browns, who traded quite a big uh, number of picks, uh, etc., for him. Um, they banked for this because they gave him a very, very low basic salary, so he wouldn't actually lose much money. But, I mean, this is one less year on his contract and um, one less you know year with him not having played a game of football. So it would be potentially two and a half years before he gets actually back on the field. So, um, yeah, this story has more to come. Um, you know, he is not someone, I mean, we, innocent until proven guilty, I'm aware, but at the same point, there is a lot of very, very strong evidence against him, and he seems to be getting the punishment that it seems like he might deserve. Are settlements, uh, you know, proven guilty? Effectively so, you're right. I mean, I mean like, you're effectively I, I, giving someone money out of court to say, yeah, can you just not talk about this anymore? Basically. Yeah, you know, one settlement to, to stop sort of slander, you know, putting a bad mm. name on you. He's already got a bad name. Mm. Uh, what happens with the guaranteed money? Yeah, so he will his only guaranteed money. I think it's like, I think it's a ten million base, so he won't lose it. He's got like one of the biggest contracts in NFL history, something like two hundred thirty yeah. million. I think it is um, over five years. I think so. He will be uh, in his first year. It's basically backloaded, so he will get all of his money later on when his legal troubles are potentially over with. So um, yeah, he will be losing a very very finite amount of money. Um, at the moment, uh, and yeah, said he'll be making his money up later in his contract. So effectively, the Cleveland Browns have awarded someone who is potentially a sex offender. There you go. Unpleasant news indeed, and a shame to still be talking about it, but it's uh, it's interesting to shine a light on how these big franchises handle such things. Um, and I think that's being kind, because it seems that handling is, is something they really want to do. They just kind of want to get on with business of making money uh probably um all right ben let's move over to you it is the season of strawberries and cream and the wealthy and the elite filling the stands of center court where of course uh wimbledon has kick-started this week what a glorious event it is um and an incredibly british event it is too um what news have you got for us well i mean Wimble Wimbledonia is here. Um, yeah, strawberries, fizzy, bubbly. Um, rain. Some, yeah, some rain. There has been a few deluges. Uh, and a poorly ball boy, wasn't there? Yeah, and and some. Yeah, there's been so much action. It's been exhausting. It's only day two. There's been some amazing stories, wonderful narratives that are growing, building, or just finishing, uh, and some seriously patriotic commentary i mean too patriotic it's wild it's sue barker's last uh yeah. tournament and she's going out with a gb bang like she she's gonna be the biggest news of the tournament ben? she may as well be wearing a union jack it's everything <laughs> that comes out of her mouth is pro britain but hey maybe it's always that way maybe i've only just realized how bad it is um the golden girl emma Raducanu, she played her first match ever on center court yesterday following what sort of seemed like a month of build-up. In fact, it's probably been six months of build-up in reality since the US Open. The match was played out to what looked like about 60 70% capacity, which sickens me. 
do you know how hard it is to get tickets for this event? And whoever buys up these Monday tickets to stop real fans going, it's a shame. Were, was it something to, to do with the sort of transport rail strikes why people weren't able well, to so go? COVID, Ben, COVID. You know, yeah, people... and COVID. But listen, it was kind of half full and it was full later on in the day. You have to question, Dan, if it was actually mm-hmm. just... Uh, these organizations that buy tickets up, you know, these are the yeah. brilliant matches to go to. First rounders, you can get cheaper, cheaper Special tickets for that. Right. Um, Sai, Radikanu was good. Did you watch her? No. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I'm very inconsistent with Wimbledon, and maybe I'll watch it in the later stages. I think uh, my wife, Sasha, tends to sometimes get into watching it later on and, and maybe she'll start watching a few games and I'll just have to watch it as well. Um, I just want to think, usually in these situations where, um, uh, you know, the, the ground or, or the, the court isn't full of, of fans, um, it's got to be corporate, surely. It usually is. I mean, it's always been so. the way with, with cup finals so. in football and whatever. Um, that, you know, a large divvy of, of these um, tickets are given to corporations. And, you know, it's the All England Club. It's it, known for its elitism and in exclusivity. Um, so, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all, surely, if it was just all going on companies, uh, etc. Wimbledon's a sellout and to sort of mm. see the stadium, you know, centre court, maybe 60, 70%, you know, th- there was a good um, maybe sort of, you know, quarter, I think, uh, seats empty. Um, it wasn't scintillating, the match itself, but it was good. Emma Raducanu was good. Maybe even excellent for kind of a 19-year-old who's playing what was only her seventh ever professional grass court match. Which is incredible to think. That's quite she's something, isn't it? World number 10. She's on centre court. Mm-hmm. And um, a seventh ever professional grass court match. Bear in mind, she got to f- the fourth round last year at Wimbledon. The opponent she was playing, uh, Utvank, uh, um, she was playing in sort of a seventh or eighth this year alone. So um, incredible, incredible build up. The sort of pressure has been immense so far for Emirati Kanu. And there's a lot harder battles to come. The interesting thing. Uh, for what I'm seeing, sort of lack of remorse from this country, okay, in building up pressure, and we've said it before, on young stars who have yet to really show the levels that are required to stay there. Emma Raducanu is 10th in the world based on one good tournament. Her reality, her ranking would be somewhere around 50, 60, 70 maybe. She's lost to a few poor opponents since, opponents not at her level, her supposed level. She's retired injured from three matches already this year, which is more than most players do in a lifetime. Got a coach merry-go-round and definite sponsor distractions, even though that was, you know, uh, defended um, very vocally before the tournament. It I was, want- and I, I read that because that I found that really interesting, is she seems to be everywhere, like... Everywhere. 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 But she does a maximum, absolute maximum, uh, and this is based on prior clients of the same um, people that look after her, the sponsors, 18 sponsor days a year. Yeah. Any more, and it's simply a no cutoff. So they could offer 20 million, 30 million, 40 million, 50 million, 60 million. It's a no. 18 a day. But it just shows you how much she's taken the country and, and to some extent the world is everyone is so invested in her based off that one event and there, therein comes the pressure and the expectation. And like you say, when people don't meet that, we just go, oh, wow, well, you know, you're not all that, are you? You know, 
Yeah, sad, absolutely. And it is sad. And, and there is a problem with that. And, and I'm questioning the figures. It feels a bit of a PR spin to me. Quite frankly, I think they had heaps. They've had heaps more than 18 days in the mm. six months since uh, the US Open. But I, I don't know that's what it, it said in the article. I assume that's what they're I saying. I suppose it, it depends what you define as a sponsor day. I mean, yeah. A sponsor you know, day and a media day aren't necessarily the same thing. Absolutely. A sponsor day is is, is, is having your picture taken with Swarovski diamonds or whoever, yeah. Cartier, whoever she's you know, Driving a by. Porsche around some Driving mountains. a Porsche, absolutely. Whereas um, non-sponsor days could well be speaking to the media. Absolutely. Yeah. So it may, maybe we're sort of, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm maybe looking at that in a different way. Um, and I will sort of defend myself. I'm, I'm in no way saying she's not good enough, right? She is more than good enough for her level. She's astonishing for her level. But can she win this tournament? No way can she win this tournament. She doesn't have the consistency. She doesn't have the mental capacity. She doesn't have the skills needed. Igus Fiatek is going to demolish the field. Um, and I see her making sort of the third round. I think the third round is an exceptional result for Emirati Kano, and that should be commended. But Sue Barker, I'm glad this is your last tournament. I said it. Oh, oh. But here's, here's the question, Ben. Um, not even like your talks of realism and, um, you know, quenching unrealistic expectations. She won a tournament out of complete nowhere. Yeah. I mean, yes, I know she had a decent showing at last year's Wimbledon and then kind of hit form at the right moment, had a little bit of luck with some of the injuries, some of the other players who weren't playing and stuff like that and won another tournament. Uh, won the US Open, which is an amazing achievement for, as you said, someone of her age and just in general, just for British tennis. I mean, we haven't had a, 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 a winner of a major, uh, a women's major since, was it 77, I said the other se- week? So, yeah, Virginia Wade, was it 77? Yeah, Virginia Wade, uh, Wimbledon, uh, 1977, I think. But yeah, so. Yeah, Star I mean, Wars came out. I mean, wow. coincidence? Maybe not. Um, so, <laughs> Breaking that. <laughs> but yeah, it's basically. We, we're now, she's in a unrealistic expectation that she wasn't even expected to win it last time. So now everyone's trying to say, oh yeah, you know, pump the brakes a little bit. But she won another tournament out of nowhere. So it's just a never ending circle for her, surely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it, it, it's going to be wonderful to watch. It is one of the main stories, let's or, be honest. Simon, to foreshadow your later segment, maybe it's a never ending story. Never-ending oh. story. Are we allowed? Right. No, we're not allowed to sing, are we? Uh, one thing I want to say with regards to tennis, on, before Dan just ushers me off, you're at this pace tonight, Dan. It's, it's yeah. frantic. He's got something to pay. I mean, you've seen, the, you've seen the counter at the top. We're not at pace. The I'm counter just, says, just Ben, be happy. <laughs> uh, I want to talk three players, super uber, uber quick for you. Quantum speed. Um, Djokovic, Kyrgios, and Berrettini. Okay, Berrettini, out. COVID, Yes. The man himself, Matteo Berrettini, he, I believe, is the large part of Netflix's untitled as yet tennis series dropping next year. He's out at Wimbledon. COVID still, as ever, playing a part in you know the top of sport. Worth a mention. Worth another mention. Novak Djokovic. Novak Djokovic. <laughs> um, this is his second and last major of the season. The US Open will not allow him to play. So he has some added pressure. Um, especially considering Australia don't look like they're going to let him play in 2023 either. So he might be down to just two majors a year and he's trying to catch Nadal up. Uh, He's obviously two behind in the race for GOAT status. 
he got through first round, although he looked super, super rusty, uh, as did Nadal a little bit today, both losing a set. Now, finally, Kyrgios, yes, the man himself. What kind of day do you think he had, Simon? Um, well, I heard there was some bad weather at the the, uh, the tournament because I heard there was some spitting going on. <laughs> hey, that's wonderful wordplay. Hey. Uh, yeah, he had another outburst on his way to a five-set win against a young uh, British lad called Paul Jubb, only 22, 22 years of age. He's actually our British number eight. Uh, so brilliant, taking the curiosity to five sets. I've seen... a the outburst uh he basically said to an umpire a lineswoman who was doing her job nobody is here to see her she doesn't have any fans why is she getting involved and it was a bit bit, bit crappy like wow. like she she like like you know that's a, that's a bit shitty nick uh and then he says um you're in your 90s how can you see the ball so he then went on a rampage in his post match press conference talking about how no ball, um, sorry, no umpire should be over the age of 40 because they can't see properly. <laughs> this was, I believe, the the umpire was going over, so the linesman was going over to the umpire to say that he'd been seen spitting in the direction of a fan who'd been giving him some grief. His press conference was wild, all right? This is a man who is so polarizing that I think he just tipped over into just, you're a dick. Mm. And... He had a genuine why, chance. Why, why is he not being ejected? Because, I mean... They're used he, to it. <laughs> yeah, because it creates it's not. It should drama. not be acceptable. That that should not be acceptable. It should be... Like, there should be a line and just say, look, do you know what? <laughs> like, this is British tennis. We don't yeah, but, tolerate that. But some people would say the line Off is when know. he was receiving racist abuse a couple of weeks ago. You know, should that fan be shouting at him all game, you know? And he actually owned up to it and said, yeah, I spat down at the ground. I mean, it was more of a gesture than a, a straight up mm. spitting in someone's face. I'm not condoning it because I think he has sort of stepped over. Well, I I'd also like... say the same thing about the fan. The fan should be gone. Yes, exactly. That was his yeah. kind of review. But listen, yeah. if you can watch the post-match press conference, it is explosive. Yeah. He's through to the second round. No one wants to fight Kyrgios. He can get the crowd against himself. He can lift himself. Uh, and one last, one last, one last thing on tennis. Andy Murray did an underarm serve. His first yeah. ever <laughs> did <he>? in professional <laughs> history, winning his first uh, match. So cool. Andy Murray, excellent. He's having a good time. All right, Ben. Um, let's take us. So we've had the English Premier League. Yeah. We've had American football. We've had tennis in, in the UK. Take us back to the States for some Major League Baseball. Yeah, I mean, we're moving from we're, we're doing some proper transatlantic hopping here. Oh, this is wonderful, yeah. I mean, we're, we're moving from Kyrgios uh, to MLB. I'm talking MLB. And I'm going to say a couple of things now, which I think they're e-safe, um, but I don't think they will give me too many fans. I love... A brawl. I absolutely love a baseball brawl. <laughs> I should say, as a sporting pundit, there's no place for fighting in professional sports outside of boxing, UFC, and or those fighting sports. Man, this was wild, right? I absolutely could not get enough of this. There's so many videos online. This isn't like Backstreet. This was everywhere, okay? 
This was an unbelievable brawl, one worth talking about. This particular brawl was between Los Angeles and Seattle. Okay, Phil Nevin, uh, the LA Angels interim manager, received the, Nevin, <laughs> Neville. Yeah, he's he's gone over there. Um, <laughs> Neville, he's uh, he's dipping his toes into MLB management. Um, he got the heftiest of the suspensions. It was a, a taking a ten game suspension for his part. There were a further thirty seven game suspensions for a total of twelve uniformed personnel. The brawl, <coughs> pardon me, started in the second inning, uh, but had been ex- escalating sort of since the night before when the Seattle Mariners pitching reliever threw a, a pitch near Mike Trout's head. Deliberately, we believe uh, the MLB has actually staggered the suspensions because there were so many because they still have to get some games played. It was crazy. <laughs> like you've got to see it. Do you know what? we don't condone fighting? Obviously, but you can't help but not watch this. It was just handbags at dawn, gnarliness, people getting involved, things being thrown, benches left, right, and center. Um, the two teams, of course. The Seattle Mariners and the LA Angels, they're both from the American League West. Uh, neither look like they're going to compete for the World Series. The Astros, I think, are dominating that division. Uh, but yeah, just go and watch it. There's a big thing in MLB now about pitchers really firing. It's, it's always been in MLB, but obviously I think social media is kind of rallying it up and MLB is trying to find this edgy new face and, and, so, and ben, new persona. Yes, Daniel. I've just watched it. <laughs> And while you were talking tell me you enjoyed it and a few observations one you've got those that in in the middle of it that are like really angry at each other and like <laughs> yeah. proper want to hit each other and yeah. hurt each other then you've got those around the outside that are like oh shit i better make it look i'm standing up for my mates or i don't yeah. want to look like i'm not doing it so they're just kind of like pushing mop, each other a little bit and like yeah. hold me back hold me back hold me back it ain't worth it it's there's a bit of that going on as well it's it is a little bit farcical um you know, these are all grown adults playing a sport you know it's a bit it's a bit much it's a bit much yeah 100% it's a bit much which is why i'm condoning it i think it's awesome i'm watching it right now it's amazing <laughs> come on like i i know oh. we live on this this uh this high pedestal where we should condemn all of these bad actions from humans you know yeah you know massively condemn Deshaun watson i'll dive on that back moment because that is terrible a cheeky brawl at a baseball game. <laughs> cheeky brawl. <laughs> right? right? You make it sound like going out for a takeaway. Right. Uh, you know, listen, no no one got hurt. And I, I, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, I'll, no, I'll looking at that, clearly no one got hurt because they were just like, don't, not the face, yeah. not the face. Uh, interesting, though, from the MLB, <laughs> the uh, the league had to stagger the suspensions. There were so many. There would have been someone in the league office just pouring through details going, Crying. that one, that one. <laughs> That one, that one, absolutely yeah, fantastic. Uh, MLB, um, yeah, All well right. into the season now. Yankees looking exceptional. Uh, very, very good for the World Series. All right. Well, I'm, I'm going to hop us back across the Atlantic for a couple of highlights this week and um, take us to another very British affair, Ben, and that's the Goodwood Festival of Speed. Brilliant. Now, it's an excellent event. It's not one I've been to. Um, a little bit priced out for me. But um, it's where you get lots of incredible modern and old sports cars and you get a lot of the big names from across the globe in motorsports. It's an international affair, this event. 
And there's the famous Goodwood Festival of Speed hill climb, where cars just battle it out in a time trial style to go up this track and you get all different types of cars going up now one of the, the one that caught my eye and as listeners may know regular listeners may know i'm obsessed with two things one is motorsports things with engines but the other thing is technology uh, and often those worlds collide particularly when it comes to uh, the cutting edge of motorsport uh, and the one that caught my eye this week was the uh, former race uh, so this is from a website called Engadget and it's the former Indy Racing League competitor Sam Schmidt. So he's a quadriplegic racing driver and he became paralyzed in a, an accident during a practice lap in IndyCar in 2000 I think it was. Uh, yes. And so he's driven this McLaren 720S Spider modified by Arrow Electronics, who you may recognize as the main sponsor for their IndyCar team, the McLaren Arrow team. So they modified it. So it's controlled by his head movement using infrared cameras and a sip and puff device. So breathing in and out for accelerating and braking. That's absolutely incredible. It is mind-blowing what they're able to do he also wore um an, a semi-autonomous exoskeleton that helps him walk wow is this is this um you know motor racing showing applications for real world um devices could this be yeah. transferred to the real world where we can see paraplegic people actually being able to drive on the roads so we know how important it is for people who have um, uh, been in accidents and become uh, paralyzed or disabled or, or born with certain disabilities or, um, you know, uh, limitations that are, well, barriers that are introduced by the way that cars and modern infrastructure is designed. So they're disabled by the car, not necessarily that they're disabled in, in some cases. But, um, yeah, you're right, Ben. So this kind of thing very often in motorsports you do tend to see stuff trickling down into consumer technology now i think arrow electronics aren't necessarily um at the stage of saying what this will look like but of course as we know the race marches on for autonomous driving um so what that might mean for people in the future who are paralyzed or don't have use of their legs or don't have use of their arms are they able to use and control um semi-autonomous vehicles Uh, you know it's essentially Yes, they can. What will be available to them and when is a completely other uh, other thing altogether. But that really caught my eye this week. And it, not only that, it's, it's a really fucking cool car as well. It's a very nice, nice motor. Um, also at Goodwood this week was the new Formula E Gen 3 uh, Mahindra Racing took on the hill sprint. Now, the reason this caught my eye is because we talked a little while ago about the new Formula E, the Gen 3. Uh, car and the technology in it again from the same website and gadget uh, a few months back about the uh, the technology and the insane efficiencies they're managing to get uh, and the speeds they're starting to get at uh, remarkable uh, stats however this car that w- w- what caught me this week is just what it looks like now the best way i can describe it is you've you've topical as well you've seen glastonbury festival the pyramid stage right so you must have seen that Yes. Well, you know me. I'm a very well-known festival goer. The big pyramid, right? It's very famous, well-known, the big pyramid. What shape is it? Triangle. Okay, yeah. And what's it used for? Playing music. And what is Glastonbury? Glastonbury is a a picnic in a park where some bands play in the corner. I'm with you, I'm with you. So there's a big 
ginormous pyramid. So if you look dead on at one of these random, you know, these new Gen, Gen 3 cars, it looks like the back is you're like looking at the pyramid and the front is like someone's just kind of taken a TIE fighter from Star Wars, bent in the side panels a little bit and then added some wheels. It's really like straight flat sides. It's very, it's such a weird looking thing, but it's growing on me. When I first saw it, I was like, what is that? And then I've seen it a bit more and I'm thinking that's a bit smart. It's a little bit like the, um, the cyber truck from Elon Musk. You first look at it and think, what and then you look at it a bit more and then i think ah. yeah the future is here is this was this an unveiling at goodwood or is do, do not we know? So, no not really because the cars previously had shown a few of theirs like porsche had shown theirs oh, okay, and stuff yeah, like that yeah. but um it's the first time we've sort of seen it moving and it is rapid so they're topping out at like 200 miles an hour formula one cars are 230 miles an hour so these are quick cars with 90 percent regeneration on the batteries they are it's the future of racing, and we're seeing it happen. It's mega stuff. Um, we're going to stick with racing real quick, Ben. We're going to talk about Formula One. We don't want to spend ages on this, but it's a breaking news story today, and this is around yeah. the, um, uh, the 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 racial slur that Nelson Piquet used when referring to Lewis Hamilton. Now, Formula One, uh, Mercedes, and McLaren have all come out in support. Whilst not naming Nelson Piquet, they've all said that they, you know, stand against racism and support Lewis Hamilton because he was targeted directly. So they're all saying, you know, they're in support of Lewis Hamilton and what an ambassador he has become for the support. Um, but it's it's a really unpleasant thing to be happening within a sport that clearly is not getting rid of some of its race, you know, racial problems, its pro- problems with diversity and inclusion uh, that it so desperately tries to to um, to shed. Yeah, it, it, it's a sad story, and uh, I used to sort of say the classic line, which is, uh, "They're from a different generation; they don't know better." And I don't think I was wrong to use this because I think it was a bit naive. It was sort of naivety. And I'm happy to hold my hand up and say that I think it's modern days is absolute utter garbage. We're only, um, you know, responsible for what we say in the present. You know, PK, you, you cannot say racial slurs on podcasts um, about a, a champion who is currently championing Formula One through a lot of barriers um, yep. and has done a massive amount for the sport. Um, interesting how it will sort of move on. Most of the Formula One drivers will condemn PK, certainly not Max Verstappen, who's currently dating his daughter so there is going to be some uh media kind of spin and throw up and we've also got toto wolf absolutely going against christian horner right now on a non-racism related issue uh but they need to name and shame i think here dan um yeah it is really interesting sorry side just before we come in it's really interesting uh and you know you read these threads on social media and just every post is it's nelson pk it's nelson pk it's like why don't they just come out and say it? What are they afraid of? And this is where this stuff is institutionalized. Yeah. You know, they're not saying the names. This person is part of the institution of Formula One. They're a massive name in motorsport. Say the name. Call 100%. Them out. Hashtag Sorry. say the name. Sorry. It would be basically, I suppose, like David Beckham or something in football to give it a, a comparison uh, coming out and saying something. Mm. Maybe yes. even more so, I suppose. But... um. 
Am I right in believing? I think I remember. I think I read up a little bit on this t- today. Actually, it, did this? Was this a podcast from like November last year? Yeah, it's not. So I mean, that's worrying in itself. That it's only really it's taken this long to get to mainstream uh, ears, as it were. Is, is is it not a worry as well that it's taken anyone this long to call it out as well? Yeah, I mean, what I will be doing is is listening back through the last Wednesday of the week's archived episodes for my discussions on, you know, Gulf nations. Um, maybe getting rid of some e-safety, safety, safety, taking an e-safety course. No, but I mean... Well, so on that topic, right? So I said e-safety would come back. Um, and today, Yuri Vips has been caught up in the furor around um, the use of racial slurs. Uh, And his is a very classic example of careful what you say on the internet because it will not, you can't get rid of it. Um, He was recorded during gameplay using a racial slur um, by accounts. It wasn't directed at a a person. It's certainly not related to the Nelson Piquet. They're two very separate things. But as a result, uh, uh, Red Bull have come out and dropped him from their testing program uh, and as a sponsored driver. Red Bull. So very real world consequences for someone who's already in a public eye, already reasonably well-known name um, because of, uh, yeah, what he said whilst uh, online gaming. So that is any safety lesson for you right there. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think it's important for everyone listening is to stick, stick to your opinions and your ideas, but there's simply no place for racism. That's not an opinion or an idea. Agreed. It's, it's uh, just utter garbage and not acceptable. So yeah, PK, what, what will happen to, say, to I don't Formula know. One, Formula One has a lot more to do. It, it feels like it's, I mean, I think even Lewis Hamilton said it today, didn't he? It's, you know, time for words is done. It's time for action. It's we we talked about it, you know, back during COVID. Is the woeful approach that Formula One seems to take to yeah. um, inclusion, equality, diversity? Uh, they, they really need to. We need to start seeing things happen uh, because it's not going anywhere. It seems. Um, I want to end on uh, a slightly different note before I hand back to the boys that know more about sports uh, before I take up too much <laughs> airtime on sport that I don't really know about. <laughs> no, this is sport. Dan, and okay. I'm going to hop over to a different, hop over a different stretch of water. I'm going to hop over the uh, English Channel uh, and talk about Le Tour, the Tour de France. And this is the news that um, Mark Cavendish, uh, well, what, what struck me is, you know, I don't tend to get involved or hear much about which drivers are in which teams and the other, but this seemed particularly brutal. Uh, so Mark Cavendish posted on Instagram um, uh, yesterday, said, uh, well, just seen the quick step uh, alpha vinyl team selection for the tour on my socials. I'm sad not to defend my green jersey or write even more history into the world's most incredible bike race. But as always, I'll be cheering on my teammates. So he found out he wasn't selected through social media, apparently, which is pretty savage given he's a massive name for the UK cycling. Uh, but how, yeah, as I said, <laughs> how right and and and, and uh, side because I don't think you, you've got your ear to the ground with cycling, and I like cycling. I like the tours. So I want to ask you this question: How ever do you think? Because I don't know the answer here. It it makes financial sense for a team Alpha Quickstep not to take such a massive draw that is Mark Cavendish currently equal with um, uh, who is it with Merckx is it 
Yeah. I don't. I don't. Yeah, know. yeah, yeah. Thirty-four yeah, is thirty-four uh, tour wins for a team. You know what? Why? How can anyone else bring more sponsorship money and, and, and success to your team? What kind of decisions are? I mean, do they have someone young in in the right waiting yeah, in the someone wait, faster? Range or someone I faster. mean, I think that's it. At the end of the day, uh, I suppose maybe talent slash uh, the future potential outweighs uh, market gains. I guess and uh, yeah. financial. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, Cavendish is a fantastic. I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, maybe it shouldn't be that he wasn't selected. It should be more the fact that he found out via social media, and in fact, <laughs> it takes it takes five minutes to give someone a call to say, look, we're going to announce this. You're not in the team. You know, thank you for all you've done, but we're going to go in a different direction. I mean, yes, he may still not have been a particularly happy boy. And it's an awkward conversation to have someone with someone, as you say, who's very successful, very famous within the sport. But surely it's better than him finding out on social media. Come on. But it's the same when you're when you're hiring people. You call them up and say, I'm sorry you didn't get the job. You don't put it on social media and say, this person got the job. Yeah, <laughs> like <Fuck> the rest <laughs> of you. <laughs> It's it's fairly basic human decency, regardless of the millions of dollars and pounds that are involved in such deals. It's it's a fairly basic human decency. So yeah, a shame for Mark Cavendish and a shame for the rest of us that we won't see him, uh, yeah, fight for those wins again. Yeah, uh, let's move on. Um, if you want to get in touch with whatever's going on in your mishmash world of sport that you watch or listen to, then you can find us on socials like Twitter. Uh, Instagram at Wednesday Pod on either. We're going to crack on with a few more different sports. We're going to go back across the Atlantic and talk about something we've not really talked about before. Um, but of course, you know, Apple do seem to be following us. They seem to be looking to us towards trends and they've picked up some of this, haven't they, Simon? We're going to talk about Major League Soccer. Tell us what we need to know about Major League Soccer. Well, I mean, this is just quite a quick one, really. But it was just interesting to see that Gareth Bale has now announced his new team. He is going to be um, playing for LAFC, not to be confused with LA Galaxy. So there are now two teams in LA. Um, oh, there they're are two just teams copying basketball. In, effectively. Well, I mean, there's two teams in um, in New York. There's uh, NYCFC and there's New York Red Bulls. Uh, you know, it's the same... You know, anywhere they can get a market, and the massive teams like that, uh, cities like that, will get two uh, two teams. There's two um, teams in Birmingham as well, I think. Uh, no, there's one team and one that's going to go into League One. Uh, ah, soon. okay, and, sorry, and, yeah, Se- okay. several teams in London. Yes, <laughs> there are. This could go um, on a while. <laughs> yeah, it will. I mean, there's several couple of teams, teams in Liverpool, in Nottingham. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Um, so I, so at least two in Manchester, Simon. Oh, stop, Dan. Oh, um, Daniel, stop. It's but the stop thing with it. the problem with MLS is it's not I'm trying to tell you that I know national sports. sport. It's it's literally like their sixth favorite sport. Um, anyway, uh, so it just kind of got me interested in uh, the Gareth Bale situation. He is joining LAFC, as I said. Um, he's only going to be making a maximum, get this, of £1.3 million, which to a lot of people sounds like an amazing amount of money, and it is, and also you get to live in LA, which is also pretty cool. But he'll be taking a £27.3 million pay cut. Um, so, yeah, he is going to be making a, a lot of money, less money than he was. Uh, there was actually rumours going into last week that he was going to be joining Cardiff. Uh, probably on a similar deal, but he decided that 
the weather in Cardiff just wasn't quite as nice as it is in LA. Um, he'll be rubbing shoulders with um, with all the Hollywood greats and uh, knowing Gareth Bale will be playing a ton of golf. So um, big question for Ben before we get any further, because I wanted to kind of go in, just explore the MLS a little bit more. Um, do you think he'll be a success over there? Or do you think yeah. his head has just been so turned over the years by outside interests and apathy for football that he won't be particularly successful? Yeah, I think he's going to be so successful on the golf links. I think you know, <laughs> his handicap's going to be handicap's going to be down to zero if it's not there already. Um, he's an exceptional golf player. I, I I actually had this conversation yesterday and got into this conversation with a friend because I said he was right to choose the LA move over Cardiff, and the reason for that is is he is going to retire after the Qatar World Cup. He's going to go to the World Cup with Wales and he's just going to hang up his boots. He's finished with football. He just wants to spend his money, of which he has many, many dollars. Uh, And he just wants to enjoy his life. But, you know, why go to Cardiff and risk injury, risk, you know, battling out in the championship? What what is the benefit there for him? I, I don't see it. He's probably going to move back to Cardiff at some point and relax, you know, at home with many, many mount- mansions after a little stint in America. But he wants to be fit for the World Cup in Qatar. Best place to do that is in LA where he's probably not going to get smashed about. Having said that, there was a report today Interestingly, I wasn't going to mention, but you sort of brought up the the MLS uh, about uh, an American footballer who died, and it was confirmed as a CTE, which is the first. uh, It was a guy called Scott Vermillion, died in 2020, and he's confirmed as the first American professional soccer player um, with a public case of, of CTE, which is very interesting. It will ripple around the world. Acronyms, CTE. Oh, geez. Uh, cranial something encephalop. No, I don't know. It, it's 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 basically a head injury from head repeated... Injury. Chronic, uh, chronic head injury, basically. Yeah, but about a head injury. And it, it comes from sort of repeated... So so we may see, you know, in the future, laws of heading, etc. re-looked at. That was something I wanted to tack on to that. But, sorry to digress, Sai, uh, Gareth Bale, will he be a success... <laughs> no. <laughs> what he are you saying is he won't be willing to earn his paycheck of one point three? That's a lot of money, Ben. You know, oh, it's a lot. It's a lot of money for a for a you know a League One to the Championship mm. player. I mean, you know, if for Gareth Bale, I think that's probably not even going to pay his rent. Well, I mean, maybe his new teammate will inspire him because he is going along with Giorgio Chiellini, if I remember rightly. So no, he is not. They, they are playing, I believe, for the same team. So before I mean, we Chiellini will keep him yeah. safe from injury. Yeah, mate, yeah, be his enforcer. Um, so I just wanted to go on just to kind of sum this all up as well because there have been a lot of players in the twilight of their career with very mixed success. I just wanted to go through them. It's, it's quite the quite the team. Um, so obviously David Beckham kicked it all off oh. as the most famous uh, to ever has go Has his over own there. team now. He has his own team, Inter Miami. We talked about Phil Neville. He is actually the coach of uh, Inter Miami. <laughs> um, so there you go. It comes full circle. Um, he uh, apparently was on a five-year, $250 million contract. But, you know, that's something else. Um, wow. He won two MLS Cups and two Supporters' Shields when he was out there. 
and still was able to do, go on a couple of successful loans back to Europe as well. Uh, you had Thierry Henry, who scored 52 goals. I think he was only there for two or three seasons as well. So he had a, a good time at New York Red Bulls. Uh, Robbie Keane, who has one of the best scoring records ever in the MLS of 104 goals in 165 games. Wow. And he won three MLS Cups for LA Galaxy. Uh, keep an eye out for that. LA Galaxy will make multiple appearances. Obviously, they did with Beckham and Keane. Zlatan also played for LA Galaxy. Didn't have the best of times out there. But he basically came back after a couple of years of scoring a few goals with the iconic line of "You're welcome." And yeah, he, he sharpened humble, <laughs> humble Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Time. Did he do it in the um, uh, Moana kind of uh, Dwayne Johnson way? You're, You're welcome. welcome. Yeah, I mean, we, we, that we, sounds uh, exactly like Zlatan Ibrahimovic. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, he honed his skills in America, and then took them back to uh, to yeah. Serie A. I mean, obviously they sharpened him up in his, his ripe old age. Yeah. David Villa also played for uh, New York Good City player. Football Club. World played Cup so well out there. He actually made his another appearance for Spain uh, while in America, which in itself is is quite the achievement. He scored yeah. eighty goals in one hundred and twenty six games. Wayne Rooney, um, DC United, twenty five goals in fifty two. Uh, Kaka played for Orlando City. Quite a few injuries. Uh, obviously lost a lot of pace when he was time out there, but still probably pretty well. Bastian Schweinsteiger played for Oof. Chicago Fire. Um, Frank Lampard. I completely forgot Frank Lampard played in, in America. I, literally until I read this. And now day, he's toiling at Goodison, yeah. trying to uh-huh. meet fair play, uh, you know, financial fair play. Still scored 15 goals in 31 games over two seasons. So, yeah, that's a, he, quite an injury player, though. Andrea Pirlo uh, didn't really perform up to standard out there. He didn't really take to it very well. Steven Gerrard uh, denied the chance to end his career with the te- his boyhood team and was cast out to the bitter, <laughs> dank, horrible LA. Uh, with LA Galaxy. Yeah, I know. Uh, and now, yeah, Giorgio Chiellini joining uh, up with um, with Gareth Bale as didn't, well. Oh, and one more, Didier Drogba as well. Did, yeah, Didier Drogba, out. but also yeah. Pele. Didn't Pele go out there? Yeah, right? well, I mean, that's New a different, York. that's a different, um, inc- in, different genre. But you could that's not the MLS. You could make an unbelievable no. squad that would literally just be Chiellini and a bunch of forwards. <laughs> yes, yes, it, it wouldn't be the best defensively. Let's be honest. But that's well, it. I'm, I've, I've finished. It, I just thought that was an amazing thing. All I these guys have gone too, out. Simon. Yeah, so you, you know, and you're also a little bit pre-show. You were a little bit excited about the fact it's going to be on Apple TV, so you're going to be able to watch some of this. Well, actually, it's on. It's on already on Sky Sports, so it actually doesn't change my life whatsoever. If I actually watched any of the MLS, all right, baller, baller with all your streaming Whoa, services. He's got actually, all. I, get, I get that sure. from my mum and my dad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Lovely. Well, thank you very much for that, Simon. All right. Let's move into what's coming up. So we've got some exciting things coming up. Ben, what have you got going on? Tennis. Tennis, 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 tennis. More tennis, more yeah. tennis. Yeah, listen, Wimbledon is going on. Wimbledon is on right now. Um, Williams, uh, the, the, the arguably one of the greatest athletes of all time, male or female, Serena Williams, is currently uh, level on uh, centre court with Harmony Tan. Uh, one set apiece. Williams is trying to sort of find a way uh, back into the game after the first set. So, yeah, absolutely amazing things going on in, in the world of tennis. You've got to love Wimbledon. 
it's a summer of sport. Uh, I shall be watching basically that for the next mm. two weeks. And I think there's a Formula One race in the middle. Nothing better to watch, to be fair. And yes, you know, we've talked about um, Glaston. We talked about these insane British events, haven't we? We talked about Glastonbury. We talked about Wimbledon. And of course, Goodwood. But also, coming out this weekend, Ben, the British Grand Prix. Yeah, it's a good one, isn't it? The jewel in the British motorsport calendar. Um, Silverstone, of course, what an exciting race it is. And last year, what an explosive race it was as well as Lewis Hamilton and uh, Max Verstappen touched going into, uh, was it Cops, I think, Ben? Um, yes. One of them. And, uh, and just Verstappen, sent yeah, Max got... into the barrier. Absolutely. Really rapidly. It was a fast corner. Um, but suffice to say, um, it seems like it's ripe for all of the media to start asking Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen about that crash and also about Nelson Piquet's comments this week. Yeah, because so they are tied be a with, weekend. Yeah, because they're tied with Kelly Piquet, of course, um, Nelson's daughter and, and Verstappen's Mrs. ex-Mrs. of Daniel Kvyat for a little bit of yeah. trivia for you there. Uh, Leclerc just dropped a Twitter post con- sort of uh, backing Lewis Hamilton um, wholeheartedly. So that the, every you know driver across the pad is going to do that. Verstappen will only right not. Thing to do. Oh, Verstappen won't do it because he's not going to, no. um, you know, go against his. his put him in a very whatever you think about Max Christmas Verstappen. Dinner. Yeah, <laughs> whatever you think about Max Verstappen, it's put him in a very, very difficult position. Oh, which which for us sport fans is a fabulous position. Not that we we ever want anyone to be racist to create drama because it's not drama that we need. No. But we uh we we sort of like the politics and. I probably can't even say that the racism would, would be included in politics. It's part of Formula One for a long, long time. And I think it's really interesting how, to I, see. I, me and Sai have basically just sat back in our seats watching how you're going to dig yourself out of this hole. Mm. No, it's not a hole. I'm, I'm saying that the, the racism has been a big part of Formula One for, for e safety. many decades. E-safety. How is yeah. it? I mean, this is e-safety. How is it going to pull itself out? And so it's going to be yeah. really interesting well, to see Well, that's how the analogy, it isn't it, Ben? Is is you're not the one that needs to dig yourself out of a hole. It's Formula One that needs to dig itself out of it. Um, Big time. You know, institutionalized racism hole, yeah. frankly. Yeah. Um, and that story will, unfortunately, drag on. Um, so we've covered football, English Premier League football, American football, tennis. Uh, Major League Baseball, uh, British Goodwood Festival of Speed, Formula E, Formula One, Cycling, the Tour de France, Major League Soccer, Tennis again, British Grand Prix again. So let's move on to one more thing, that is Stranger Things. Effectively, I I just put that because I've got nothing to look (laughs) forward to over the next week apart from watching Stranger Things. Oh, man, that drops next week. It does. So, I mean, we we have to talk about this because it's arguably one of the biggest TV events of... Don't ruin it. I might be behind you guys. Uh, What do you mean, behind? I'm only on... I'm in season four. What are you guys watching? Season four? I think everyone's watching season four. I think that's the only one. Oh, is it... Is it... it Are they releasing episodes as you go? Oh, bloody hell. I thought they released them all. Oh, are you... Are you you about... Oh, my. I'm behind. I'm behind. No, Dan. I want to be the one person to tell him. Don't ruin it. In fact, no, you do it. Dan, I'll give you the honour. 
what have you right Simon you've written Stranger Things to talk about Stranger Things no I only wanted no to say it what's something... happening with Stranger Things no I'm, in halfway, I'm halfway through season 4 oh what do you okay. mean by halfway through season 4 well I don't know how many episodes there are in it however many episodes there are oh Simon so oh, what, what, Simon. We, what we will say is Simon is absolutely right to be excited for Stranger Things oh, there are <laughs> 7 7 episodes in uh, season 4 but next week two feature length episodes drop and we are oh, all I have no idea about any of this crazy so there's been like 3 yeah. weeks where all of us watched all of season 4 no. to to volume I'm, 1 don't know what you're talking and we've about all been insanely excited waiting for volume 2 which drops no. next week which is essentially as ben says two feature length episodes but I it's don't not know season, five, season 4 which apparently no. season next five year or the year next year yeah, two years. I don't, three years. I don't know what either of you are talking about. No, do you know all uh, we can say is you wrote Stranger Things because I was watching Stranger <laughs> Things. I didn't expect you to get your blooming panties in a twist. Wait, are you the writer of Stranger <laughs> Things? Are you? I might be. Hey, um, what sports are in Stranger Things? Uh, they are playing basketball in season yes, four. There we go. Basketball. Cycling as well. They do a lot of cycling. Okay, I mean, we, 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 we've tied it back beautifully, Daniel. <laughs> now, how do you get out of that hole? Well, um, one of the strangest things to happen to me recently is someone get excited about something that they don't know is happening to them. I'm just well, saying, watch the strangest things. He does know. He's I'm excited. invested. He's yeah. excited about life, Dan. Don't you? It wouldn't, right. it wouldn't be like you to ruin anything for me, Dan. I'm surprised you didn't told me the end yet. I mean, you, you did ruin my statue. <laughs> right. We've... Damn. Well, we've managed to get through this show, um, both talking about the most exciting elements of sport and the reason we get engrossed week to week. We've also sadly had to talk about the upside down when it comes to sports and, oh. uh, you know, some of the negative oh. things such as the, uh, you yes. know, the raises and the sexual abuse stories, the politics, the things that come out, uh, not to trivialize it by referencing Stranger Things there because it's fucking horrible frankly some of it um but it's a necess- necessary narrative in some of the sports that we absolutely enjoy and love um but we will uh, wrap the show up because do you know what boys i've actually really enjoyed being back with you i say that like i'm surprised maybe oh, that's I, am. Good. I don't know let's see what happens next week um but all that's left to say for this week is i've been down i've been Simon, uh, and i've been ben Until next, last Wednesday of the week, be kind. Bye-bye. Bye.